0: This is the Perfectly Mentored Podcast with your host, Jason Portnoy. Hey everyone,
1: welcome to another episode. I'm your host, Jason Portnoy. Over the last 15 years, my guest today, Russell Brunson, has built a following of over a million entrepreneurs, sold hundreds of thousands of copies of his books popularized the concept of sales funnels online, co-founded a software company, you may have heard of it, called ClickFunnels. It helps tens of thousands of entrepreneurs quickly get their message out to the marketplace and is now the fastest growing non-venture backed software company in the world. As of 2020, Russell's training, teaching and software has created 720 millionaires who are in his exclusive club called the Two Comma Club. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome my man, Russell Brunson, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. And I want to jump into something super controversial. A a controversial (laughs) statement you made, backed up by a ClickFunnels commercial that said, websites (laughs) are dead. Was that (laughs) for shock value or do you really believe websites are dead?
0: No, it came from, it's funny, I I had this conversation with so many of my friends who didn't understand this funnel world when I was building, when we were building ClickFunnels and launching it. And every time I try to explain what a funnel was, like, oh, it's like a website. I'm like, no, like, no, like, this is like the evolution of a website. Like websites are like eight track players. Like, like, yeah, they're the, they were a thing, but like, this is the future. Like they're dead. And I kept saying that and I had to be like that bold then to be like, oh, it's not just a website. Like, no, it's, it's better than a website. <laughs> like I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, that's definitely my belief, you know? And I, I think it's interesting because I, I have people a lot of times who will build a traditional <laughs> website because they. They they want one to look good, but they don't drive any traffic, dude. All the traffic goes to their funnel, and I think that that goes to show it's the thing that actually works in a business. <laughs> so, how do you decide whether
1: you need a website or you're just saying eliminate websites completely versus having a sale versus having a funnel or a landing page?
0: You know, I think it, a lot of it depends on what someone's business might be, but even even nowadays, like in the new Traffic Secrets book, there's a whole chapter on a thing called the funnel hub, and the funnel hub is basically it's like it looks like a traditional website. Some people like it because. If they're on TV or they're going to show their friends or their employees, like they want something that's like, this is our business. And so the funnel hub is kind of a tweak where it's like, it looks like a traditional website, but literally it's just a hub that has links back to all your funnels where you actually make money and, you know, create customers and, and all those kind of things. Outside of that, like there's not, I don't feel there's a ton of value in in having a traditional website.
1: Got it. You've seen a lot of funnels, right? In, in your time and, and, and with ClickFunnels and seen a lot of people create really beautiful funnels. Aside from yourself, what does the perfect funnel look like? Like what's the checklist that you need in order to create a perfect funnel?
0: It was interesting. Um, so I get an email every morning. It's my favorite email of the day. And it is a list of the top uh, 20 funnels in ClickFunnels, the top 20 uh, most leads and the top 20 most sales. And so I get those every single day and I look at them every morning because I'm just like, curious. And I always, it's interesting to me because the things that I think most people would think are, like, the sites that make the most money or gener- generate the most leads, you'd be shocked at which ones are the ones that actually are. And it has less to do with design. Design is important, and it gets more and more important. But the thing that's, like, the most important, uh, honestly, is, like, the people who who get the most leads or make the most sales are really good at the copy, the words on the page, right? Like, understanding, like, how do you persuade someone? How do you get someone they show up to actually pay attention and to follow you and to go – you know, whatever, whatever it is you're trying to get them to, to be. And so actually, that's the biggest thing I study is like the, the copy on the pages uh, of the funnels that are the most successful. So for me, like that's, that's number one um, is just really figuring that out. I think having the right offer is also, is such a big part of it. Like some of the things just like, oh, you see the offer and you're like, that's such a no brainer. I have to give that person money. Cause it's just like, it's so simple. It's so easy. The times people struggle is when the offer's not clear. It's, it's The story's not interesting. It's just like, oh, yeah, this is my thing I made. You should give me money. It's like, unfortunately, it's what most people's funnels look like, but it's not what actually, what actually works. You know what I mean? It's interesting. You're a master at copy and, and storytelling.
1: Were you always gifted in that or did you study it? How can people become better at telling stories or crafting good copy?
0: Yeah, um, I was not good at it. In fact, I hated it when I first started my business. I was like, "That's the one piece I will not learn how to do," because like I did not enjoy it. And I didn't enjoy writing. i was yeah, I'm still super introvert. I don't like it's not my favorite thing to do. But like um, I remember the first the first funnel I ever built. We didn't call them funnels back then, but that's what it was. Um, I had it all done. I was like, hey, I need a copy?" And I tried to hire someone. And I remember the first person I tried to hire was this guy named Joe Vitale, who's awesome. If I went to his website, it's like mrfire.com. and he had a, a link where you could hire him. And he had his, his rates. And it was like, like, to write an email, he charged like $6 per word. And I was like, per word? I'm like, even the small ones, like, uh, and the, <laughs> oh, and like this like a, a normal sales letter, like fifteen or $25,000. I remember I was just like, I can't afford any of those things. I was like, oh, no, I have to learn this thing. <laughs> I have to figure it out. And so for me, the way that I learned it, and I think a lot of copywriters kind of learn it the same way, is you find people who are really good. So for me back then, the, the guy who was like one of the biggest, the best people's name is Gary Halbert. In fact, he has a website still, it's called the Gary Halbert letter. And he has like every sales letter he's ever written there published and you can see him. And what someone told me that like, you should take these out and you should handwrite them so you can actually like learn what he did. I never actually did that. I wish I would have, I never did. But what I would do is I would take their sales letter, I'd like put it down. I put, like a, put um, like a Microsoft Word document next to it. And I would look at like, he had his headline that was like talking about his course on whatever. And I was like, okay, how do I change that headline? So I'm not copying, but I'm using a concept to make my headline. So I, I'd write my own headline. And he has a little introduction telling his story about whatever. So I was like, okay, well, it's my story, and I kind of re- I write my story, and I literally just like line for line took theirs and used it as like a framework for mine. And again, I didn't copy anything. I want people when I tell people that they're like, oh, cool, you just copy and paste it. I'm like, no, I did like literally didn't at all. <laughs> I just put it side by side, and and I knew that if he had bullet points, I was gonna have bullet points. But like, what were mine gonna be? He had a story here. What's my story gonna be? And, and I, I kind of modeled the the framework. And the more I started doing that, more I started realizing I'm like all of these. Sales letters are successful. They kind of have the same flow. They 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 follow the same principles. It's not like there's just randomness to it, Like right? There's definitely a formula. And the more I started doing, the more I started seeing it, and I started getting better. Like, okay, well, I'm going to lead with my story, and then how do I tell a good story? And like, I just got better at it. And I think for anybody, like, that's one of the best things you can do. Like, I I always tell people when I see a good sales video or a good sales presentation, the first thing I do, I s to this day, I go to Rev.com. I send them a link to the video, and and they transcribe it for, I don't know, a couple like. Actually, I have no idea how much it costs, like <laughs> 10, 20 bucks. They transfer right, 25 videos. a minute. Oh, yeah. So you yeah. get it back, and it's like now I have the sales letter, and I take it, and I have a whole file on my computer. In fact, it's on my folder right there. I can see it. it says swipe files, and I just have every single video I've ever seen that's been good. I have them all there, and I just I look at them. I read them. I print them out, and I just I have story around me all the time, so that way when I'm writing my own, I can like, oh, I remember how so-and-so did it. It was a really cool way to introduce his story. What did he do again? And I'll read like, oh, yeah, that's right, and just kind of start building a swipe file of, of ideas for yourself to model when you're, when you're writing your stories. And these guys last,
1: you know, all time, right? The Ogilvies, the Eugene Schwartz, the, the Gary Halbert. I mean, their letters, I mean, their copy, the way they sell is still applicable today. They're still masters.
0: So good. You know, sometimes some of the things they say may not be, uh, ftc approved nowadays you have to put it through that lens um but man their their storytelling ability is second to them like we're we're so much lazier online because it's just like you can test things faster you push them out whereas back then you know they're going to be sticking a stamp on everyone's letters going out and it's like i gotta pay a dollar for every one of these things out the door i'm gonna make sure the story is right and uh yeah in fact brandon and caitlin poland when they were creating the lady boss movement I used to send him Halbert letters. I'm like, oh, look at this. Like, just look at the way he described this product. And they'll give you ideas about how you can describe your product. And they were like, oh, that's really, really good. So, yeah, it's it's so cool.
1: One thing I love, you you just wrote your third book, right? You're a giver. You like giving giving away all the tips that you've that you've learned in order to create your business and give it away. So, your third book out now, part of the, the trilogy, is Traffic Secrets. Mm-hmm. In there, I think, I think this book, you kind of, I don't know if you may, meant to launch it during the time, but- pandemic was like the perfect time to launch a book like this when businesses needed to pivot or adapt or need that type of message in order to attract traffic coming in. I want to talk a lot about driving traffic, but for a second, before we have that, you need a good offer, right? You need it, what you call like almost um, an irresistible offer. Mm-hmm. So what does the irresistible offer look like to you?
0: Yeah. Um, it's funny. My first mentor, his name is Mark. He wrote a book called the irresistible offers. So if you want to go deep, there's a whole book that deeps, that goes deep. But for me, you know, I look at, I, I'm always trying to figure out like, how do I, like, how do I one up the, my competitors, right? So it's like, let's say I'm selling an iPhone, right? So here's my iPhone. Let's say I'm selling this and Best Buy is selling it and Amazon is selling it, Apple.com, they're all selling the same phone, right? So the phone, it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't know how much iPhone costs nowadays, 600 bucks or whatever. Like, we're all selling the same thing. So it's a commodity. And most people, their businesses are commodities. So my question is like, okay, well, if I'm competing with three guys, we're all selling the same thing, how do I beat everybody else? And it's like, okay, what else can I add to this offer to make it sexier? And it could be anything from my, okay, I'm going to give you my phone. But on top of that, I'm going to give you my awesome headphones. And then I'm going to put it in here on top, in the side of the phone. I'm going to put, you know, the training course so that you can't get anywhere else. And I just can't keep stacking things on until the the value of whatever I'm selling starts seeming cheap. Okay. Uh, like, for example, um, I've had someone tell Didn't me. Didn't you me do stuff. this with your phone, right, <laughs> yeah. for $500,000 or something like that? I'll I did do it a- at uh I did a Garrett White's event. Yeah. I did an auction for this phone. I got up to over half a million dollars because I talked about all the things that are on this phone, like whose phone numbers and whose access and the courses and everything. And, and literally auctioned it off and went up for, I uh, had like five or six people at the end for over half a million dollars. who were going to buy my phone. But it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of times I get people all the time like, Oh, well, my customers can't buy it. Cause it's too expensive. I'm like, that's such, that's not a, that's not a real thing. That's all inside your head. I like, think about right now, if I was like, Hey, uh, I've got a, I've got a new car I want to sell you. Right. And it's, going to be a hundred grand for the car you might be like oh that's that seems expensive right and yeah it is it might be expensive for a hundred you know and you may say i'm like i can't afford that but if i came back to you and i was like all right i'm, a, I'm gonna i'm gonna uh, i want to sell you my car and it's man i'm such not a car guy like it's a it's a lamborghini or ferrari and you know that like the sticker price is like 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 six hundred thousand dollars like, I mean, I'm come in, like i'm gonna sell this car for a hundred thousand you'd be like that is that's cheap because i know what it's worth therefore like You'll figure out how you get hundred grand because you know it's worth six hundred grand, right? Like people figure that out. So when someone says they don't have money, it's not that they don't have money. It's that the offer is not good enough for them, right? The offer is not worth the money that you're asking for it, okay? If you can get increased the offer, all of a sudden, the thing you're selling becomes really, really cheap, and then people will buy it. So anytime you have price resistance, it's just because the offer is not right because it seems- Yeah, it's not a price. It's a value. It's a value exchange difference. 100%, yeah. Let's
1: talk paid media versus organic, right? Because your book's about traffic, right? Mm -hmm. So- you know, do you believe that you need to spend money in order to drive traffic these days? Or can they still do it
0: organically? It's funny, I, I've uh, since the books launch, I've been in debates with both sides, because there's like, the purists are like, we never pay for traffic, we only you know, do the free stuff. And the otherwise, you're like, we only buy paid. And, and I honestly am, am in the middle, I think that it's important to have both because the paid stuff is faster, right? Like, if I want traffic today, it's like, we're gonna pay for it. and like, I, if I, you know, I, I don't want to wait, because you have no idea you miss opportunities by waiting. But and, specifically if you build a funnel the way we teach people it's like it shouldn't cost you money right like if you build the funnel correctly you spend a dollar in advertising you make a dollar 50 back in the funnel it's not actually costing you money but you can get going faster at the same time though i'm also a huge believer in the organic side of things right like we spend tons of time and energy and money on the organic side of click funnels and it's you know the first two years it was a waste of time and energy and money Uh, but now that we're you know five years into it i mean we get over a thousand signups for ClickFunnels a day that come for free off organic stuff that we've done. So now it's like, Oh, like I would have been an idiot not to do that. You know, like it's so worth it, but in the beginning it doesn't seem like it. So I, I'm a big believer in like creating a funnel that can be profitable and buying ads immediately. And then while you're doing that, reinvesting some of the profits into the, the longer term organic stuff. Uh, because if, if you stick with your business over, over time, it becomes, so much more. I, I could turn off ads today and click phones would keep growing, which, you know, obviously most companies couldn't do that. And I think when you understand that, then, it, then you kind of see the, the benefit of both sides of it.
1: Well, it's also what you want to do, right? There's two currencies, time or money. Yeah. So if you don't want to put in the time, I guess you're saying paid traffic is the way to go. And if you, if you have the money, paid traffic is the way to go. If you have the time, organics is where you should be putting most of your energy. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Especially when you're getting started. Got it. For the people listening, let's give them a free tip that will change their life. You know, okay. uh, no, no pressure. No, but just just a tip to a get them more traffic right now. Businesses listening right now who need more traffic, especially with what's going on in the world right now and what we just went through, uh, and then b that will also get them to buy your book and read about the more tips that you have in there.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go to the back. Yeah, I'm gonna pull the book out. So in the back of the book, there's a lot of foundational stuff I talk about in the book to get people ready for everything. But in the back there's a section called section three is called growth hacking which is all like kind of like the gangster ninja fun stuff that's in there yeah so there's a section in the back there's a section in the back and it's called integration marketing and um, I talked about I talked about Mark Joyner earlier my first mentor and he wrote a book also called integration marketing so I learned this from him way back in the day and if you I want to put context on this like when I when I first started Trying to figure out this traffic game. It was before Facebook, before Google, before before any of these platforms, right? Like we were trying to figure out how to get traffic. And the thing that I learned from Mark that changed my business was he was like, look, you can go buy, there's different ways to get traffic. You can do, you can find a partner and do a joint venture, have them promote something. Like those things are all good. But he's like, he's like the most powerful thing you could do is figure out how you can integrate your business into the existing business of somebody else. And at first I didn't really get it. I'm like, what is he, what is he talking about? And then as we started growing ClickFunnels, I started looking at how do I integrate ClickFunnels into other people's businesses? So what he kind of said, for example, he's like, let's say you find somebody who's in your industry, and let's say they, they're buying ads to a webinar, and it's doing really, really well, right? So, so they buy an ad, some register for webinar, they go to the webinar, there's five or six email sequence, and then the end of it just kind of ends, right? He said, come to those people and say, okay, uh, after your sixth email, you're not sending anything else. How about email number seven, plug in a link to my offer, and then um, and I'll pay you commissions on it, but we'll just plug it in there, and it'll be there forever. And then that way, what happens is when someone you know, registers for that webinar, every single day, email, on day number seven, they get a message for your for your offer. So the more traffic that person buys, the more leads are coming into your business. And it could be on a webinar. It could be on another funnel. It could be anywhere. But figure out how can you integrate your business into other people's sales flows. And so when I got that, when I started realizing that, um, we started doing that inside of ClickFunnels. We started going in and saying, okay… Who has our dream customers? Like, like, how do we plug these things in? How do we get inside of other people's other people's businesses? You know, one good example is we put inside of, in ClickFunnels, if you create a page, by default, there's a little badge at the bottom that says Powered by ClickFunnels. And someone can turn that off if they want to, but by default, it's on, and it has the affiliate link of the person whose page that is. And that badge, uh, we did, when I was writing the book, we we checked the stats to see what it is. And that badge, like the traffic came from that one badge of us integrating into other people's pages is responsible for over a million dollars a month in revenue. All came from that one badge. We set up once in, on people's pages. So it's like, it's looking for things a little differently than just traditionally. I'm going to go buy Facebook ads. It's like, who's already buying Facebook ads and how can I integrate into their sales process? It doesn't cost me money, but if I get that in there and I get that deal once every time they get any traffic, I'm always getting traffic to my business as well.
1: Love it. What do you see as the biggest difference between someone who runs you know, a funnel and has success and gets traffic versus ones who don't. I mean, everyone thinks they're going to build a funnel and get traffic to it, but you see some, some funnels just take off right off the bat and get great traffic. What's the differentiator?
0: You know, it's interesting. The people that have the most success funnels, not necessarily the best at building funnels, but they're the best at, I call them funnel audibles that are a company. Like since we like, for example, we have, a, we have a funnel that went live 20 minutes ago. So right now, there's a bunch of traffic going to it. And I have no idea if it's going to flop or it's going to be good or bad. But what happens is in a couple hours from now, we'll come back and we'll do a funnel audible. Say, so, okay, let's look at all the pages in the funnel. Here's here's the ad. Here's page one, two, three, four. We start looking at all the pages. And we look at, like, if it's doing awesome, like, sweet, don't touch it. But most of the time, the majority of the time, it doesn't work right the gate. We start looking at, like, okay, for some reason, like, page number one is good, to But page number two, the conversions are way lower than we thought it was going to be. Like, what can we change? What can we tweak? And we start figuring things out and we start calling these little audibles start tweaking things. And typically what happens for us in our company is we'll spend, you know, two or three days making those tweaks, making those changes to the point where also now the funnel's working. Now that it's working, we can spend tons of money on ads, right? But what most people do instead is they spend all the time building the funnel, they launch it, and then they wait. And then if it doesn't work, they're I... I don't know what to do. And they kind of stop and they ah oh, funnels don't work. This is a scam. I'm out of here. And they, they walk off. It's like, no, you were so close. Like you did the hardest part. Now it's just looking at the data and figure out like, what are the tweaks and the changes I need to make? You know, I, it's funny because when I was growing up, I was a wrestler and I learned this from my dad and I, I always thought everyone did it. But, mo- but again, most businesses don't for whatever reason, but like my, uh, my junior year in high school, I wanted to be a state champ. That was my goal. I remember the very first match of the season, I went in there and I wrestled against the kid who had taken second the year before I was like I'm going to beat him, I, you know, I was so excited and I wrestled that match, I I got beat up pretty bad. And luckily my dad filmed the whole thing, you know. So that night I went home and I was all sad and depressed and I remember just, you know, being bummed out and went to bed and my dad instead was really smart. He stayed up all night. Like I think he was my dad's a little obsessive like me. And he started what he watched that that 6-minute match over and over and over and over and over again. He's taking notes of what I did and what he did and like where I got caught and everything like that. And then in the morning I woke up. My dad hadn't slept at all that whole night. He's like, "Hey, I know why you lost." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Come on over here." I'm like, "Dad, I want to ready for school. I'm tired." He's like, "No, get over here." So he got me on the carpet, and for the next like 30 minutes before school, we he showed me like, this is what you did wrong, and this is the changes made, and here's the tweaks we make. And so we figured those things out. And that day after school, I had wrestling practice. As soon as practice had done, my dad showed up. All right, here's the things we gotta work on. And we worked on them. we worked on We worked on them. for four months, the entire wrestling season. We worked on how like all the mistakes I made against that guy. And then fast forward four months later, I actually go to the state tournament and me and him are on the opposite sides of the bracket. We go all the way down until the finals and the finals, I have this guy and I've literally been, been wrestling this guy every morning and every night with my dad for the last four months. We get out there and we wrestled and, and he was easy because like I knew every shot I knew how to, like I'd made the adjustments so it became really easy. I made the, those changes and uh, ended up becoming state champ that year. And I think that's what people miss in business is that they go they try the thing it didn't work they walk away it's like no like you just lost the first match but that's good now you know what you need to what you need to fix like that's the secret and the people that have the most successful ones who love that part like they're looking for it like all right i'm going to drive some traffic so i can see what's broken and that's what we're looking for and they're looking at the stuff okay how, what what tweaks to make what changes and then they, they study the numbers amazing. like game tape pretty much yes exactly and that's when it becomes fun because it's like you realize it's not just luck it's like you're able to you know, you, you put it out there and then you make the adjustments. And usually within uh, you know a couple of days now, it's like, OK, now it works. Now I can now I can scale this thing. So the whole point with Traffic Secrets is to get people to come to us.
1: Right. Because not many a lot of people hate sales. They don't like going out to other people. They want they want the business to come to them. It goes back to what I always say. I think businesses fail for one reason only, and that's obscurity. Right. If they don't know you exist, they can't buy from you. If they forget you exist, they can't do business with you. Why do so many businesses you think miss that crucial part, that awareness part, and that and the importance on that part?
0: That is a really good question. I think the I don't know if you ever read the E Myth, but I remember when I when I read that book, he talked about how a lot of times business owners have an entrepreneurial seizure. He called it where you know they're they're a baker, let's say they're baking for someone else. Also, one day they're like, I'm going to be an entre- I'm going to start my own bakery. They start their own bakery. And they don't realize they, they have the skills to do the thing, right? To make the dope, they don't have the skills to run a business. My buddy, I talk about him in actually all the books. He's a chiropractor. And it's funny because he went to all these years of chiropractor school, went up there, launches his practice, and it just dies. And he's just like, oh. And so I, I start working with him. And, and I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, in chiropractic school, you're there for, I don't know how many years, a ton of years. I'm like, they talk about how to, like, market your practice? He's like, they never once mentioned it at all. They just taught us how to do the thing. They never talked about the... The marketing of the thing, and I think that that's what a lot of business owners miss is that they're so excited about their their practice, their product, their service. They don't they don't think about the other thing, which is the most important part of a business. You know, I'm a big believer like the business is not the thing you sell. The business is the marketing of the thing you sell. And so, you know, I always try to get business owners to focus on that because if you really love your product, your service, you can't amplify unless you love the product, the marketing. And that's why I think we got to become excited and geek out in the marketing. You know, it's funny when I got started in this business, I used to go to these marketing events and I sit in these rooms and there's all these people who are just tired. And, they were just like, and I'm in the back like freaking out, like, oh, like because I knew what all these things I was learning, how they're going to apply to my business. How I was going to change all these things. And, and I was just like, why are people not excited by this? And I remember thinking man, if I ever get to the spot where I can like be the person on stage, I want people to know how exciting this is. The fact that you can you can read something like this and you learn a concept. You plug it in, and all of a sudden, overnight, you get a hundred or a thousand new customers. Like that changes everything. It changes your life. It changes your the, your employees' lives, your your family's life. It changes the lives of the people now that you're helping. Like when you understand these principles, it's the most exciting thing in the world. And I think that uh, when businesses get excited by that part of it, by the marketing of their thing, that's when everything changes for them. Love it. Uh, we'll, we'll start wrapping up. I know. I know you got to run somewhere soon.
1: You're a big family man. A lot of entrepreneurs, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice they have to make in growing their business. How are you able to spend so much time with, with family and be with family? And, and I know a lot of people listening will be like, well, he's made a ton of money. That's how he's able to do whatever he wants. But I mean, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs going through that struggle right now? Yeah. I Cause this journey, that, this journey demands a lot of sacrifices from us.
0: Oh, for sure. And if people think it gets less when you get more money, it's the opposite. You know, I've got 400 employees now. I just, you know, like there's a lot that, that happens. I think for me, the biggest thing is just being present with where you are in the moment, right? So like when I'm with my kids, like I'm with my kids. But when I'm working, I'm working, and there's not bleed over on both sides. And I'm not perfect. You can ask my wife, like she like he's not perfect, but I, but I try, right? I try to like how do I like when I come in the door? It used to be this way. You know, I've been in lockdown now for the last couple months. But I used to come home from the office, I like get in the garage, about to come in the door, and I'm like okay, I need to leave business here as I come in, and I need to be dad, I need to be a husband, I need to be present, and even though. You know, it's not, you know, it's it's not every hour of the day, but from like six till nine, like I'm dad, and I think like, that's my time with them. I gotta be present and focused. And then from nine till you know midnight is my wife, and we're focused there. And then when I'm at the office, so it's the same thing, it's like, hey, I'm focused. This is where I gotta do my thing, and I gotta you know, and I think the biggest problem people have as they're trying to build these things is they feel guilt. I get that. You feel the guilt of this and that's so you're working and you're feeling guilty, so you're you're halfway at home, you're halfway here, and you're not actually getting anything done, and you get home and you're like, Oh, I didn't get anything done because i was stressing. So now you're like at home, but you're also doing it and like it just it bleeds over back and forth, and then you're never really getting you want out of any of the pieces. And so I think that's one of the bigger things. And again, I'm not perfect at it, but the times in my life and in my career where I've been able to like make those clear separations is the time that I'm able to when I you know not feel guilty when I come home be like, hey, I had a hard day, but or I had a long day, but I'm here for the next three hours. Let's go, let's go running, let's go swimming, let's go, let's be together. And kids don't care. Kids yeah. don't care what type of day you had
1: at work, right? Oh yeah, they just want to play. <laughs> What industries do you see booming right now? You see a lot
0: of industries on ClickFunnels. What's booming right now? Survival in the last two and a half months has been the one that's like. <laughs> I had friends who have survival businesses that have done more in the last two and a half months than they did in the last two and a half years prior to it. Wow. You know, anything, anything tied to to that courses like any kind of online courses are killing it right now because everyone wants to learn. They're bored. They're trying to figure out how to. To figure out their next thing and this is courses in all markets like we have seen people taking dance classes and math tutoring and you know like everything you can dream of so i think those are the things that that are you know things that people can do from the comfort of their home um are the things that are the comfort of the home or things that give them more security when they're at home like the survival market those seem like the ones that have been the, the hottest for the last couple of months for sure i'm gonna put you on the spot
1: right now you just sent out a message saying there's a f- exciting first of its kind conference
0: coming that was the funnel that just went live. <laughs> you, you want you want to you want to break it here a little bit? Yeah, we can't. Um, so as you know, we do a big um, live event once a year called Funnel Hacking Live, and uh, we get about five thousand people a year that come to that. And that's where you're going to be getting your Two Comma Club award here in the near future on stage. And it's really fun. Um, but you know, with everyone being in, in lockdown and quarantine, we like we wanted to do something. But we didn't know what to do, so we decided to do a virtual conference. We're calling it Two Comma Club Live. Uh, with a goal of, like those who are Funaki Live and like set a goal but haven't hit it yet, it's like okay, let's get refocused, let's figure things out. And those who are just kind of coming new into the world, say, okay, you got six months to Funaki Live. Let's get you back on track. And so, Two Comic Club Live is a three-day live event happening later this month, and uh, I'm going to be streaming it from my offices here in Boise, and it's going to be going to be so much fun.
1: <laughs> Love it, Russell. Thank you so much for doing this. I mean, you're a brilliant marketer, a talented entrepreneur, and a really genuine good guy. You know, some someone for business business owners to look up to or entrepreneurs to look up to. And trust me, I'm in this industry and there's not a lot of them that that you could kind of look up to. So thank you for all that you do for entrepreneurship and for helping businesses. And most importantly, thank you so much for coming here today and being on this podcast.
0: No worries, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you and let me uh, share my message with your people. And yeah, I can't wait to get you uh, to Comic Club Award on stage. That's my next goal for you. Love it. Can't wait. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, everybody.
1: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for paying attention to that episode. Look, if you enjoyed it and you're looking to scale your business to the next level or just a bit stuck, we've worked with businesses and helped scale them past seven figures. So we know a little bit what it takes to grow your business. So if you're looking for a free strategy call with myself or a team member to help you and help get you unstuck or help scale your business, head on over to jportnoy.com and book a free strategy call. I'll see you then.